This is not <laughs> summertime. What is happening here? This is not Wild Wild West or Miami. Like, I remember the first time uh, I even heard Will Smith swear. And it was Whoa. like in a movie or something. Well, Bad Boys, right? Bad yep. Boys 2. Right. There's that scene with him and Martin Lawrence where the, the kid comes over to take Martin Lawrence's daughter out for a date on the first date. And, and Will Smith uh, says some expletives. And you're like, whoa, was not expecting that at all. Anthony Petrelli joining us now from Maple Leaf Hot Stove. Anthony, do you have children? And if you do, are you a crazy father like Will Smith in Bad Boys 2? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have children, but that is a great movie scene. <laughs> just the full, it just encapsulates what you think a scary dad is. Just intimidating, no holds barred. As If you have a young daughter, you're just going to be. My dad used to joke about stuff like that all the time and uh, never actually went through with it. Like didn't show up to the door with a gun. <laughs> One time with a, like a kitchen knife though, but he oh. was just chopping stuff, Anthony. It wasn't supposed to be threatening. <laughs> Did he bring your cousin from jail too or... My, and for, fortunately, I don't have any cousins in jail, so that is not an option. Uh, speaking of jail, though, we're kind of in purgatory a little bit for the Toronto Maple Leafs and fans as we wait for John Tavares to make a decision of where he's going to spend the next seven to eight years, a sentence perhaps, if he chooses the <laughs> wrong team. What are your your feelings on this? I know we talked to Luke Fox earlier, and one of the things he said, and it's been kind of a common rhetoric among sports websites and sports commentators that it's not about money for John. It's going to be about titles and depth, winning a Stanley cup and not necessarily even tugging at his heartstrings to say, come on home, John. It's worth, it's more than that for him. Yeah. I always just, it, I mean, this doesn't sync up with um, what you just outlined, but I always just kind of assumed he was going to go back to the Islanders yep. when, when Lamorello went back or went there and, then he brought in trots and it just kind of seemed like everything was lining up. And I still feel like they're probably the favorites, but um, after that, it's kind of wide open. Like I know naturally a lot of people think, especially in Toronto, like if not the Islanders, then Toronto would make a ton of sense. But if the team to me that actually makes the most sense, if I was him would be Tampa Bay, just because they're such a strong team. And um, I mean, the, there's no state tax in, in Tampa. Just living there is pretty spectacular. Uh, like, they're, like, fold up the league almost if they get Tavares. Like, they're going to be that good. <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty scary. And, uh, you know, we remember last year there was talk that maybe they would try to get Eric Carlson. So, uh, who knows? I mean, they, they could have put together a team uh, that had a ton of superstars on it. But I, I would agree with you that, you know, beyond the Islanders that are still seen as the favorite, it is the Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay that would be uh, the best fits, of course. But let's play under the scenario that John Tavares does not come to the Maple Leafs and they have some dollars to spend elsewhere the the free agent market isn't exactly that sexy uh, you've got James Van Riemsdyk of course the uh, former Maple Leaf still uh, in the mix potentially 12 teams reported out there that uh, are looking at him I I can't see the Maple Leafs wanting to bring him back on a contract that would pay him six plus million but uh, you never know of course but who on the free agent market if anybody do you think is an attractive piece uh, for the Maple Leafs that they would be willing to dish some dough out for well, they do need to figure out what they're doing at center. Like, regardless of what, well, not regardless, but whatever happens with Tavares one way or another, they only have two centers under contract that played in the NHL last year. So um, they signed uh, Par Lindholm from Sweden. He might be their fourth-line center now that Miro Altonen's left. Uh, but that still leaves that third-line hole. So 
Do they envision moving Nylander there? Do they want to sign someone? Like, they have to figure out that question no matter what. I know everyone, you know, naturally thinks about the defense, but their defense, like, there's not much out there on the market. Like, John Moore is getting a ton of attention. So that kind of tells you what's what's available that way. Like, they're almost better off to leave their group and hope that young guys develop. But they have to figure out what's happening at center. And they have to figure out what's happening on left wing because, as you mentioned, JVR is a free agent. He's all but gone. Uh, so now that leaves them with Patrick Marlowe, Andreas Janssen, who's promising. And, uh, you know, there's reason to believe he'll be a good player. And Zach Hyman playing his off wing, which is maybe not ideal. So uh, we haven't heard them like linked to too many of these guys, but I'd be, you know, sniffing around guys like Michael Grabner, maybe Patrick Maroon, you know, if they want to go, you know, lower bargain bin hunting, maybe a guy like Tobias Ryder who didn't get qualified by LA, maybe even a guy like Colton Sevier, because I presume that they're not going to bring back Leo Komarov. So he might be a penalty killing type option. Uh, you know, I don't actually, if they wanted to go like all in big, if they're not going to get to virus, a guy like Paul Statsny might make sense as a, as a center. I just, I don't see them going that route. I see them probably bargain, bargain bin shopping. First of all, I have to go back to your comment about John Moore. No offense, John Moore. <laughs> like, gee, shots fired. Yeah, late <laughs> yeah it'll, it's it, one of those sentences. I like him, but like, if <laughs> it's one of those sentences where you start with "not to be disrespectful," but then you say something that's less than ideal. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's a good player. I was kind of like reading it this week. Like, you know, people are like, he's getting a ton of calls. Like, he's like up at the market on defense. I was like, oh man. Like, Times are tough. This market's really something. <laughs> yeah, for real. Okay, so let's go back to Nylander because I do like your your kind of take on things where you see, at least if I'm understanding you correctly, you see that the offense is not as set in stone and maybe not as as good to go as some other people may think. And it's easy to kind of focus on the defensive problems that Toronto has had in the last couple of years. So with Nylander, he did get an audition at center here and there with the team, but it didn't seem as though it's something that Toronto wanted to be permanent. Do you think that could be a change this year? And if so, is that something that you're behind or do you prefer him on a wing? I'd actually like to see him at center. Like it's the tough thing is, is him and Matthews are great together. So it's nice to have that like, you know, high end elite duo, but beyond that, like, he was, I thought he was quite good at center when he came up for that like 20 game stint to end the season before they drafted Matthews. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they just happened to win the lottery and draft a superstar center. So now he can go play right wing. But they were bringing him up to be a center. Like he was a full time center in the AHL. He came up that year and he looked good. Yep. I'd be interested in trying it. Like you can always put them back together when need be. Like Babcock used to do it with Zetterberg and Datsuk. He's no stranger to it. Yeah, it feels like it is a Mike Babcock thing, though, that he does not want William Nylander at center. And if he maybe it was a different... Yeah, he has just dug his heels in. And maybe if it were up to Kyle Dubas, Brendan Shanahan, maybe if it was a different coach, that they would be willing to give him a longer leash. But it, it does feel like Babcock has seemingly made up his mind that you know it's not going to work out and we'll just keep him uh, on a line with Matthews or just shift him up and down um, with potential line mates. We know there, there's been a lot of talk about potentially Mitch Morner and Austin Matthews playing together at some point. Those two have talked about it, of course. How realistic is that? Do you think a possibility that those two might be the tandem playing alongside uh, Zach Hyman next year? 
I I actually think that would depend on um, actually if they get Tavares or not. Like, I think if Tavares comes in, you kind of just blow up all the lines and start from, like, it's a blank slate. But if they don't get Tavares, I don't see them breaking up that Kadri, Marner, Marlowe line. Like, they were just so, they were so good for them. Um, And then if you take Marner off that line, I'm not, you know, maybe you replace him with Connor Brown, but it's not really the same thing. I think he'd be hard-pressed to split that lineup. I'd be surprised if he did. Sometimes I look at Babcock and what he does, what he did at least last year, specifically with these younger guys, and I wish he was a little bit more like the Blue Jays manager, John Gibbons, where he calls up these young guys, throws them in the fire, and says, let's see what you got, because it really felt as though last year it might have been too much handling with kid gloves with these young prospects, and I know you don't want to rush them, and I know you want to put them in positions to be successful and potentially see what you have without them before you make any moves come the off season. But I really would have loved to just have a little less caution working with some of these prospects. And it seems as though there's going to be really room for a few of them to really flourish this upcoming season. Yeah. He definitely keeps the training wheels on with some of these guys like Travis Dermott. Big time. His lifetime was sporadic. Andreas Janssen, who, by the way, he's 23. Like he's not, you know, he's a 19 year old kid. Yeah, like there's facial hair there. <laughs> a little, <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it might be sparse on the right chin, but it's good. <laughs> so, I mean, they by all means could move him up the lineup, uh, you know, and I don't think it would be out of his depth to do so. Casper Kapanen. And I also, I also just think he he was not always flexible with the lineup, like period. Like the like he'd set the lines and like that was that. Mm-hmm. Like we wouldn't see too much tinkering in games. We wouldn't see like this guy's going, this guy's not going, you know, move a guy up, move a guy down. Would it be like, these are the lines and this is what I'm going with. And this is what it is. And we all kind of knew what it was and it didn't, it didn't really change. And it wasn't, you know, it was very static and it, it was disappointing for me in March. Cause we, we knew they were finishing third. Like yeah. it was locked in and I can and they go ahead. Sorry. So, sorry, I was going to say, and they did not take advantage of that. Like they didn't experiment at all and they had a month to do so. And, and like in Babcock's defense, not that he needs me to defend him. He's not sitting out here texting me like, thanks Ash for having my back. <laughs> but I do get the point for consistency and letting things kind of develop and see if there is that chemistry. Cause sometimes it's not instantaneous. And a lot of people have the takes that these are professional athletes, no matter who you plug them in with, they're going to be, like producing at at a high level. I don't buy that for a second. I think you do need time to understand people's tendencies, especially with the young Leafs team, Rob, that sometimes was being flashy or trying to be cute because their skill level was so high. So you need to be able to anticipate things like that. Yeah. And and there was a time last year, Anthony, where, you know, Mike Babcock was seemingly shuffling the lines every week. And uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, jumbling of uh, the rotation and where different guys were playing. And it it finally got to a point where, you know, he solidified the lines and things started to work out um, once again. But sometimes, you know, that that's just the case where, you know, you have to see what works and what fits. Um, with this Maple Leafs team. But let's get to the defense, of course, where everybody is curious about outside of John Tavares this offseason. It is that right side that is very glaring. Nikita Zaitsev did not have a really good 
sophomore season. Ron Hainsey fell off a cliff in the latter half of the season, of course. Roman Bolak was surprisingly good in the uh, second half of the season, but um, who knows if they decide to bring him back. Uh, what are you looking at as far as the, the right side goes? Uh, Justin Hall, we saw him for a little bit. Uh, is there an opportunity to move up some of these other guys to the right side? Do you reunite Jake Gardner and Morgan Riley? It would seem like there are some interesting internal options that the Maple Leafs could do. Yeah, it's it's um, it's such a weird unit too. And as we like criticize the team a little bit here, like I'm sure if you know Babcock was here, he'd kind of shrug and say we just had the most points ever in Toronto Maple Leaf history. So <laughs> he definitely sip, would say you know, that. Takes yeah. a sip of spice. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. That side smile, that little smirk. So I'm but sure you seem he'd have enamored the whole thing. with Anthony. Wow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that little he'd, side he'd smirk that thing. I love so much. <laughs> it's it's something. But then on on defense, like. Like they have six NHL defensemen technically like locked in under contract. So it's unless they're trading for someone, like there's not a ton to do there. Like the thing that I'm most curious about is Babcock raves about Zaitsev. Like he loves Zaitsev if you just listen to his interviews. And I don't know if that's lip service or if he genuinely believes it because he gets criticized a lot and Babcock goes to bat for him. Like, pretty well no other player on the team like consistently goes out of his way to say like we love this guy he does a good job etc cetera, etc cetera. and I, I don't know if he's just you know pumping a guy's tires and trying to build his confidence and you know that whole thing or if he just genuinely believes it because they seem to like him from all you know they give him a ton of responsibility a ton of ice time um they put him in on all the key situations I don't think they're going to deviate from Riley Hainsey. I'd be surprised if they did to start the season anyway. They probably got to just find a way to limit his minutes a little bit better, especially on the PK. I actually like Justin Hole. I thought that, like, to me, he was the Marlies' most complete defenseman in the playoffs. Um, and I liked him when he played in the preseason. I liked him in two games in the NHL this year, albeit it's just two games. But I don't know if you can point to Justin Hole and say, like, we're Justin Hole's promotion away from being a good defense. Yeah, what's really interesting when it comes to, to Zaitsev, as you touched on, you know, he's a Babcock favorite, of course, and for whatever reason, we saw it at the World Championship, this guy in, on international ice, on big ice, maybe it's just, you know, being comfortable with playing with other Russian players. He looks like a completely different player. Um, so, you know, it's in there. We, we saw it a little bit last year, of course, in his rookie season. Uh, you know, maybe you could blame last year on the injuries that he suffered, but um, it would seem that the answer is somewhere in between, Anthony, that maybe he is not the guy he was uh, that we saw in his rookie season, but clearly he's better than the guy that we saw last year. Yeah, and the the tough thing is is like he's so we we've already talked about John Moore and the free agent defenseman situation. But on the trade market there's not you know, it, the Leafs probably aren't gonna get Eric Carlson. Yeah. I don't think Ottawa's gonna make that trade to Toronto for obvious reasons. We just saw what they did with Mike Hoffman. I don't think they're gonna trade Eric Carlson to Toronto. So there's not much else out there really to trade for. That's obvious that we know of anyway. Like it's a, it's a slim picking kind of thing. So do they sit there and say like, you know, we hope Travis Dermott is better. We hope Morgan Riley's a little bit better. We're not going to play Ron Hainsey as much. We hope sites a little bit better and then go from there and see how the season starts. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you can bank on hopes and prayers, right? 
You you can yeah, always but- hope for the best, but you have to be making some more moves on the side. Maybe they're looking for a West team to trade for Carlson and then flip him back for a few for a few draft picks <laughs> and just just continue to fleece the Ottawa Senators. Well, well, the thing is, what I'll, I'll say is, I still think like I think the Leafs are a playoff team. Of course, but, yeah, we're yeah, we're ragging they- on them, but it's just because the standards are higher. Yeah. So if they keep their group together to start into the year and then kind of see how things are going, you know, how the market develops and then try to get in on a defenseman. I don't know if that's the worst strategy based on what's out there right now. All right. Well, we will see. There's there's a ton of time. Hopefully this NHL offseason will continue to be exciting and it'll have a lot of questions for us. And uh, we got it. Can I call you Anth? I feel like we're there now. Yeah, that works. All right. And thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate your time. Have a great night. OK. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, there you go. Anthony Petrelli from Maple Leafs Hot Stove. And I will say, now that he's off the phone and can't defend himself, because <laughs> apparently this is my MO, he doubled down on the John Moore hate on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> so the tweet is that John Moore has rocketed towards the top of the class amid a thin D market, eight interviews and counting. And Anth said, and this is why every team should prioritize the draft. And development. You know, John Moore is probably at home right now. He's thinking, man, this is my time. This is, I'm finally hitting free agency. I'm going to hit the jackpot. He goes on Twitter. He searches his name and just sees people crapping all over him. And he's thinking, why? What, what, what do people have against me? Like, what is happening here? But yeah, if, if that many teams are interested in John Moore, who knows if it's true or not, may just be his agent floating out the number, trying to garner more interest and, you know, compete teams against each other. But yeah, if it is in fact true that John Moore is one of the hottest uh, free agents out there, that that does say volumes about uh, the free agent market, unfortunately. The D class. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're going to switch gears.